So we're on uh, Mishnah number five. Now, for those of us that have not been with us, we're going on a basic theme. The theme is, so far, it's all about the three pillars. We started off the first Mishnah, discussed, it three, discussed three things. The second Mishnah discussed three things. And then after that, we had each Mishnah was going back and developing one of the three pillars. That means Rabbi number one that said, serve God um, for the sake of God. He was talking about Avodah. We still don't know why it's out of order. The second rabbi said, invite rabbis to your house. He was telling you how to do Torah. The third rabbi is now going to tell you how to do chesed. So each rabbi is developing a different point. So again, so Mishnah 1 and 2 are giving the principles. 3, 4, and 5 are each developing one of those pillars. So again, Mishnah number 5 is the pillar of chesed. You want to do chesed? You got to do chesed right. Everything can be done wrong and right. This is a very important principle. Everything can be done wrong and right. Um, Abraham Avinu was great. He was a Baal Chesed. As great as he was, he had a son, Yishmael. Yishmael was the psolet. Psolet means the impurities of Chesed. Yitzchak Avinu was a great man. He was a Baal Givura, strength. Call it, um, call it um, strictness. And there's a psolet to that. There's, a, there's imperfections that come out. That came out in Esav. Yaakov Avinu was Torah, and he had 12 perfect sons. But each midah on its own, the two main midahs of chesed, of kindness, and yirah, fear, can be uh, mishandled. And that's why from Abraham Avinu, there was a psolet that came out. He first married Hagar, and Yishmael came out a psolet. There was an imperfection. Yitzchak Avinu couldn't marry Yishivcha. He had Yisav even with, even from Rivka. That's the principle. What's the psolet? What is the imperfection in each one of them? If a person has the trait of Yirah, he's strict like Yitzchak Avinu. Esav was a murderer, so he was strict in the wrong way. The Gemara says Yishmael is known for his nut, his promiscuity, because the imperfection of chesed is promiscuity. A person is too nice and too friendly. It's great to be nice and friendly, but be nice and friendly to the, um, in the wrong situation. You become flirtatious. So the Baal Chesed, he's a nice guy. He can become flirtatious. It's a danger. So in this Mishnah, they're going to talk about Chesed and talk about the dangers of Chesed. It's an important principle. The Chavot Lavot says, every possible ma'ala, every possible good quality comes with a possible thing to ruin it. Just like every single type of lettuce or strawberry has a bug. That's the way God made it. Strawberries have bugs, and lettuce has bugs, and dates have bugs, and every one of them, if every one of them uh, had, 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 every type of vegetable has an imperfection in it. Uh, so too, every midah has an imperfection in it. And chesed can go off. Guy's a great bal chesed, and he went off. Because if you're not careful, the good trait, it's a good trait. The guy's a nice guy. He is a nice guy. He means well. He's friendly. He's a very friendly, nice guy. But he's too friendly and too nice, and he gets into trouble. It can't start off as a good thing. It's not a bad thing. He's a friendly guy, but he got into trouble. With that introduction, we're going to start our Mishnah inside now.
Yosef ben Yochanan issue Shalayim Omer. Yehei, I'm first going to read it, then we'll explain every step of the way. Yehei betcha patuach lervacha. Your house should be open. I'll use the word widely. We're going to see it's not simple what the word revacha means. Revach means space, profit. So simply speaking, it's a command. Not so simple, but simply it's what commanding you. You want to be a Baal Chesed? First thing is you got to have an open house, number one. Number two, we'll see what that means. The poor should be your household. Okay, so far I gave you two comments on the positive. But here's a third thing. You can get into trouble with Chesed. And therefore we say, don't talk too much to a lady. What does that have to do with our Mishnah? The answer is, you're Baal Chesed. You have people over in the house. You have, a, you have a man and his family and you have his wife. Don't talk too much to her. Just because you're being a nice Baal Chesed and you're bringing in guests, be careful not to get into trouble with that midah of being friendly. You could go from friendly into flirtatious. So therefore they warn you, al That's the simple speaking. We're talking about which lady? We're talking about the guest. al means the guest that comes to your house, that female guest, don't talk too much to her. But the Gemara says, oh, no, not so simple. We're telling you don't even talk too much to your own wife. We'll find out ladies soon why. Now, if you can't talk too much to your own wife, surely you shouldn't talk to somebody else's wife. You don't want to talk to your wife too much. Now, there's three sections of the Mishnah. The first section of the Mishnah is the actual statement of the rabbi. The rabbi gave a statement. These are three principles of chesed. Again, let's not get lost on the three principles of chesed. Number one, open house. Principle number one of chesed. You have to have an open house. Principle number two of chesed is you aniim b'nei beitecha. The aniim should be the from your household members. We'll see what that means. Number three, you can get into trouble. Al You're going to get into trouble. Be careful. Chesed can be dangerous. Chesed can be dangerous. You go on a chesed mission. Very nice. You went on a great chesed mission. But uh, other things ended up coming out from it that shouldn't have happened. Then he goes and qualifies. When I said don't talk too much to a lady about the lady guest that came into the house, don't think I just meant her. I also meant your own wife. It's not a good idea to talk to your own wife too much. You'll find out why. Now, if I can't talk to my own wife too much, surely, surely I can't talk to my, uh, my friend's wife too much. Okay, now, then they went they added another statement. Later rabbis added the following statement to this first rabbi's statement. We're going to have to explain what that word means. It doesn't say there's a difference between the word dibur and sicha. What's the difference between the word dibur and sicha? Okay, we're going to ask the crowd out here if anyone wants to raise their hand and they could tell us what's the difference between dibur and sicha. It's both talkings. You could raise your hand virtually, but I actually see someone raise their hands physically. Yes, Moses, what do you got? I think Dibur is telling someone something. Sicha is just playfulness. Sicha is, yeah, good. Sicha, give me a little, someone could prove it, uh, prove it may, maybe. Well, we hear 
Koach with the, with uh, Yitzchak in the when they went out to the field. That's no that word. That's word is uh, That word I think is uh, oh, oh is it Sicha over there? Yeah. Okay. Isn't it Lasuach? Lasuach besadeh. Oh, Yitzchak Avinu was Lasuach besadeh. Very good. Over there it meant he went to pray. Good. Lasuach besadeh. So what exactly does Sicha mean? We use the word Sicha. Stash, you want to take out your Sidur for a second? That's excessively, sidur? Rabbi. Huh? Rabbi, excessively. Converses well, that's, that's, excessively. No. That's, 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 okay. But the word Sicha means, it means light talk. Siach means, when we say, uh, our Sicha should be B'divrei Torah, it means even our light talk should be B'divrei Torah. Sicha means just chatter. You're at a gaijin party, you're just yapping. That's Sicha. Sicha means non-beneficial, non-purposeful talk. Dibur means, it's just something you got to talk about. No one's saying that you shouldn't spend an hour with your wife talking about planning, the, uh, planning your son's bar mitzvah. That's not sicha. That's, that's purposeful. That's dibur. Sicha means just light talk with no real purpose. That's what we're talking about. We'll see why. But it's important to How about you want me to get it? No, it's okay. There's a term, she is siach siftoteno. The word sicha is always lighter talk. Okay? Not for now. Uh, stash moved locations, so we're, we don't have the same uh, abilities. Um, okay? So that's important to differentiate the word sicha. So we don't want an excessive sicha with a lady, even your own wife. Why not? If you have excessive, excessive light talk, that means there's supposed to be some light talk, the Chazoni says, it says, there's supposed to be some light talk, but not excessive. If a person owns the excessive side, he causes evil to himself. And he's not going to be learning Torah. So far in the end, not just he goes to Gehenam, he's going to inherit Gehenam. He's going to be a full-fledged inheritor of Gehenom, of the final purgatory because of this. Now we have to understand, of course, anything you do, if I say, if you go eat ice cream, you're not learning. If, you, if you're playing basketball, you're not learning. Why over here we say, what's the chidush? Of course, if you're talking to her, you're not learning. If I'm talking to my accountant, I'm not learning. So what's, what's the, why only over here do we stress that if you talk too much to a lady, you're going to end up not learning Torah? Okay, that's our Mishnah, and now our job is to explain it. Question. So yes. what's the difference between, basically you're saying don't have idle chatter, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's the difference if I wanted to call Stash and say, Hey, Stash, what did you think of the basketball game yesterday? Exactly, we that's my question. That's my question. Why is, it okay. worse? Why is it worse to talk to, talk to um, your wife for 20 minutes than to talk to Stash for 20 minutes? Why, why there is it called bull tell me, Divrei Torah? That's our question. That's my, right, that's, that's my question, question too. That's, that's, no, that's the question. That's the question. We have to find out why over there we're using the word bull tell. Okay, we've got to figure that well, out. Well, the word, the, the, the bull tell basically is <clears throat> idle chatter. No. Idle chatter is the sicha. Botel is that you're not learning. So you want to know why we're stressing uh-huh. that more here. Good. Now let's go back to the beginning of the Mishnah. Okay, now step by step. Okay, that was the Mishnah. We broke it into three parts. And the first unit is also broken into three parts. Number one. I want your house open wide. Says the Rambam, what does it mean open wide? That means very accessible. Your house should be accessible. So poor guy's walking on the street. He knows I come to your house. In America, there was a great rabbi. His name was Rabbi Trink. And um, 
used to have an open house. There are people like that in Flatbush that have open houses, not that many. Person doesn't have a meal on a, on a, on a Saturday night, Friday night. They know you could just walk in this man's house. There's 20, 30 people there. It's a rarity. In Israel, it's very common. Very common that people have open houses. Just come in there. You know, if you have a meal, there's a place to go. Not so common in Western civilization that you have someone whose house is open. You know, you can just knock on the door and go in there. That's, that means it's well known. If you're stuck, go to this person's house. I don't know. You know, I know a good rabbi that maybe is on that level. Now, we continue. Who's the source for that? <laughs> Abraham Avinu. Abraham Avinu's house was open on four sides. Why? Because I don't want the man to even have the trouble to start looking for the door. I want to make it so easy for him. He shouldn't be embarrassed. It should be so easy. The Gemara Masechah Barachot tells a story of a rabbi that was like this. His name was Rav Chana Bar Chanilai. In his house, he had 60 bakers that baked by day, 60 bakers that baked by night. He was a wealthy man to bake for whoever needed it. And this is the line I want to bring out. He never took his hand out of his pocket. He always walked with his hand in his pocket with a $20 bill in his hand. Why? Savari thought, Maybe there's a wealthy, or there's a poor man who came from a wealthy family. And if I put my hand in my pocket, he's going to get embarrassed. So he kept his hand in his pocket. He would be immediately be able to give to him. Furthermore, he had four open doors to his house. And people, poor people could walk in. And lastly, during a time of famine, he would throw food over the back, to the back of his house at night, so that at nighttime, if poor people were not able, were, were embarrassed to take it, they would, they would enable them to take it. It means they gave it to them in a respectable way. It was a custom in the uh, German community, German Jewish community, Washington Heights, they still had the following custom, very interesting custom. They had a large kupa that they would bring to a mourner's house. And the kupa was left in the mourner's house and people put money in the kupa. And no one ever looked what was inside the kupa. They just put money in there. And if the mourner himself was poor, they just lost somebody and they were embarrassed to ask, they would just take money out of that kupa to keep them going during that week. And no one ever knew who put money in, who took money out. That was a system that they had because this is an ancient Jewish way. We want to find ways to enable poor people to get money in the most dignified fashion. Isn't that the basic of the food fund? The way they give the credit card out, nobody yes. knows. They get it. Be beautiful, Morris, food fund. There's, there's, no there's no bouchard, no, there's no- Very good, very good. There's no, uh, they're not yes. embarrassed. They walk mm -hmm. into the store like a normal- uh, Very good, very right. good. I mean, two points, Morris, yes. In today's time. Yes, very good. Now, <clears throat> I know an organization like that with clothing also, but I won't mention it now. Okay, so now, the, the um, Yavet says like this. He says, what does it mean your house should be open liravacha? What does that word rivacha mean? Rivacha means really my comfort. We had the word prophet. He says, when you take the poor person to your house, you should do it in a way that you're happy to see them. He feels you're happy to see them. And he says, you want to you talk to them. And listen to these words. He says, when you have a poor person that's again, I don't know how often or how common anyone in this class had the opportunity to take a poor person to their house. Again, it's not very common in the, in the world that we live in. Again, I know a rabbi, he's a close friend of mine and a partner in the shul that I work in, that he has poor people in his house. He has it, he has a big table, he has poor people sitting there. Uh, my my uh, 
my in-laws, uh, when my mother-in-law was alive, they had poor people in the house. The guys just came in from the, you know, poor guy. Guys uh, could be a beggar. They came to the house. He said, but when this poor person comes to the house, how are you supposed to make him feel? Look at these words from the Hasid Yavetz. Just like when a kid comes from school, you give him such a nice feel coming in. He feels so much. He's greeting with a smile. When you have someone in the house that's a poor person or a, you could use it today, it's more a rabbi from Israel that needs a place to stay on a Friday night. You take him into the house, make him feel like you're thrilled to see him. And he says... Look at the, he gives a beautiful explanation. It's the Haggadah Shal Pesach. You'll save it in your, in your notes for next year. He says that, what do we say in Halach Ma'anya? We say Halach Ma'anya. We tell him, Hashtacha, this year we hear, this year we hear slaves, next year we'll be free. What do you mean slaves? You're, you're, the guy is talking in the house, he's sitting there in a silk robe, and he's, uh, he's, he's, he's uh, very... Uh, very wealthy, very successful. What are you saying? You're, you're inviting the guy into the house, they were all slaves? He says, Kalal He wants to make the Ani feel good. He says, don't feel bad you're eating from my table. We're all slaves. All Jews are slaves. We're not in Eretz Yisrael. So he's talking in a way to make the poor person feel comfortable. So that's the first step. Yeah, it's very nice to give charity, but you have to make the poor person feel comfortable. Give the guy money, he shouldn't feel embarrassed. Now, that was the first thing. Your house should be open, Lerabacha. The Rambam explains, what does it mean, v'yu aniyim b'nei beitecha? The poor should be the children of your home. What does that mean? Rambam says, important principle. He says, it's one thing to give a guy a handout. It's another thing to give a guy a job. Which means, don't just get, make the ani, and you, have a, you need a driver? Get, 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 a, get, a, get, a, get a man that's... Uh, struggling, and he, he needs a job. Make him into your driver. I know a fellow that um, he has a, his driver, he has his aide, whatever it may be. He took somebody that, from the community that, that, needed, that needed help. Why not give the, it's going to be a few extra dollars. Yeah, the regular guy is $32 now, the community member is $34, whatever the difference is. But you have the opportunity to give a community person a job. That's a tremendous thing. Tremendous thing. Uh, SPH, that's one of the things they do. They give people have a job, they need a job. Give a, get, let, him, let him be part of your household. He should be, you, you, need, a, you need a babysitter, you need something, look to somebody that's, that needs it. And that way you're giving it to them in dignity. Second explanation is, anim b'nei beitecha means they feel part of your household. You give them full permission, they're in your house, they feel like they're one of you, they feel like they're, they're a family member. Okay, now, the Midrash Muel says, what does it mean that this is an unbelievable explanation? What does it mean the poor people should be your household members? Listen to this chidush. He says, when you give charity, it has to be b'simcha uv'tov levav. When you give charity, it's not enough to give it. You got to give it and get a thrill. Someone told me recently that the biggest thrill is the thrill of a sale. The biggest thrill is the thrill of a sale. So I want to add another thing. We should get to the level, the biggest thrill is the thrill of giving charity. When you give charity, it's supposed to be the thrill because it says when you give man, money, don't feel bad. You know why? Because this is going to bring you all the beracha. The glala davar is there. The fact what? It says because this should be blessed because this means you gave your money with charity, with simcha, 
That's the secret to blessing. It says, Hasimchahi Aikar. It's not enough you give the charity, it's a thrill. It's a thrill. You're giving charity a thrill. That's what it means. You give it with revach. And he says, what does it mean? It should, it, the poor person should be like your household. Listen to this line. You should be happy when you give it. You give your kids things. There's no, be, no bigger thrill. You go and you buy your children clothing. You buy your children things. Wonderful. You feel great. You buy your kids stuff. You splurge. You're getting, you're getting your daughter's wedding. You're getting her a wedding dress. You know, we'll go all the way. You're making the wedding. Let's make it nice. You're thrilled. It's your children. It's your child. He says, that's the thrill you're supposed to have. These are powerful words. He says, Aniim b'nei beitecha. These are really the words of the Mishnah. What does it mean? Haniim yushavim mamash l'banecha l'nyan simcha shetemlen b'simcha kemol banecha. The same good feeling you have when you spend on your family, that's like, why? He says, you know Why? Because in the end of the day, you're doing yourself the biggest favor. When you're giving money to the poor guy, you're giving money to yourself. That's the money you're giving to yourself. So you should be thrilled because that's lasting your lama ba. What does that mean? I heard a great story recently about a certain rabbi that a poor man came into the house and he said, he needs a hat. The guy came into the house and he needed a hat. So he came into the house and he had this, this, this uh, you know, bashed up hat. That bashed up hat. So this rabbi, this rabbi had just gotten a new hat and he had his old hat. Again, if you use the don't wear hats, uh, you know, you can't appreciate this. But um, you can at least appreciate when you see a guy. You know, you have the guys that banged up, bashed up, dirty hat. And suddenly you see a real spiffy, nice looking hat. Okay. So everybody has their good hat and then the, the rain hat. Or... Boy, you can relate to that? This was his wedding hat. Or, come on. Talk up, or. Unmute yourself. Yes, or, I relate. I relate. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Good. I don't, I don't wear one, but I know I, what But you know about. you don't talk about. Good. So this rabbi has his nice new hat. And he's, got his, and he's got a regular banged up hat. Poor guy comes to the house. He's got this hat. Forget about it. It's, it's like, it looks like, uh, you know, it's, it goes surfing on the waves. So now... He, he, his, he noticed the man's hat all bashed up. So he wants to give him, a, give him a hat. So he goes and he takes, he says, you know what? You look like you need a hat. He takes his hat and he gives him the wedding hat. So afterwards, his wife said, why would you give me your wedding hat? Your, your weekday hat that, you know, it's not great, but your weekday hat is, is good enough. This guy's got a hat looks like a, like a, like a surfboard. And you go surfing on it and you're giving him your wedding hat. He says, you don't understand. What I give to the poor person, I'm giving to myself. How do I, which hat do I want to wear in Olam Abba? Do I want to wear my wedding hat? Or want to wear my weekday hat? I want to wear my wedding hat. So I gave my wedding hat. When you're giving to the poor person, you're giving to yourself. So that's what it means. You aniim b'nei beitecha. When you're giving to the poor person, you're giving to yourself. So that, that's the feel you're supposed to have when it comes to tzedakah. Let's continue here. The no, last thing he's... I can't hear you. I have a question. Richard Beta. Yes, Richard Beta, go ahead. You take that same approach with non-poor persons at that Institution, the uh, school. Uh, uh, yes and no. That's when we're talking, when we talk about Sadaka, we really mean poor. There is a separate discussion about schools, and we're talking about now poor people. This whole Mishnah is about regular, real charity, food fund charity, Bikorkolim charity, not, not, you know, you're giving money to uh, whatever, to, to an institution. Correct. Okay, even though it's also true, but this Mishnah is focusing on that. 
So now he says the last thing is like this. We, when we have to say Kaddish, you answer the word Revach. Revach means Panasa. He says, so what does it mean? It's not a command. Your house should be open. He says, Do you want your house to be a house of Revach? You know how you're going to get there? You get there by having Anim in your house at all times. That's going to bring you the ultimate Beracha. Now, now, why? Like we said before, there's people that are coming and get into trouble. She says like this, like we said before, it's okay, I buy it. If you're talking about uh, household manners, of course, that's not going to get you into trouble. Now, so what's the problem with talking too much to his own wife? You have different explanations. Some rabbis means it's talking about your own wife at the time when she's forbidden to you. Ladies forbidden during that time of the month, that's what we're talking about, don't talk too much. Um, another explanation is that, this is a powerful explanation. We want to give you advice on having guests. So our advice on having guests is don't talk too much to your wife. What does one have to do with the other? Listen to this great shot. Sometimes you have people that, you know why they don't want to have guests? because they want to have time with their family, time with their wife, so to say. If I'm so used to always talking to my wife, you know, I'm gonna have this guest here, oh my gosh, you know, it's gonna ruin the whole, the whole conversation by the table. Can't talk to my wife. She says, don't get into the habit that you, you, you're just always talking to your wife and therefore you can't have the guests interfere. I'll give you a final following example, which to me I think is a very uh, appropriate example. I've seen it happen. Uh, person's by a wedding, is a wedding and deal, okay? He's wedding and deal, he got a ride from the city, and he's a wedding and deal. And he arrives, he needs a ride back to Brooklyn, okay? So now it's you and your wife. And you see this guy's looking around for a ride. Give a guy a ride now. He means me and my wife in the car. Now I want to talk to my wife for the hour and a half. I want this guy in the car. I want this guy in the car. There's some, uh, some I remember once, one of the rabbis in the Torah Center was getting, uh, getting married, and had a child getting married in Lakewood, right? This guy's not going with his family. He's going to go himself. So another guy's going with his wife. So people, you know, uh, come on, have this guy come in the car now, come on. Yeah, yeah, it's okay, it's okay. You won't talk to your wife for the next two hours. It's okay. Take the guy and give him a ride. So don't have your, your wife's a wonderful lady. There's a lot of time to talk to her, but don't ha use that as the excuse. Now, of course, sometimes the only time you can talk with your wife and there's a problem with the child and you need the time. We're not going into all the details now. He's just giving a general rule Beware, sometimes your need for constant conversation will interfere with the ability to do chesed. Next one. This is a very important one. Very, very important. Ramil used to speak about this all the time. Very important. Or are you listening? This is for you. This is for guy in construction, okay? Kishadam, I got to put everyone mute over here. Kishadam, let's just read this inside. Kishadam is a korotav. What do you do? You come home and say, you know what? You can't believe this story. The lady ordered the dishwasher and then I put it in and she said, oh, the dishwasher doesn't match the, the, the sink thing and she made me pull it out. You can't imagine. And what's going to happen? You're going to get your wife into becoming, starting getting upset and this and that and she's going to get argumentative. You don't have to come into your house and share your whole day at work with your wife. It's not always beneficial. Number one, it's not beneficial. 
because she's going to start getting involved over here. What's the example? Who's the classic example was? Korach. Korach came home and said, you know what happened at work today? Moshe went and he did this. He said, oh yeah, that's what Moshe did. And she got Korach cooking. And the whole rebellion against Moshe Rabbeinu happened because Korach shared his day with his wife. You don't have to share the details with your wife. And the truth is, it goes wives the other way. Today, this, that was written to men. Lady comes home and says, you know what happened? This lady, the sister-in-law, did that thing. That just, you don't have to share these things. Something happened, you had a story, try to handle on your own. You don't gotta know, gotta share with your husband now, he's gonna start exploding and the whole thing's gonna, gonna blow up. Not everything has to be shared. Very important rule in marriage. Not everything has to be shared. Certain things, you just keep to yourself. David Shabbat raised his hand. <laughs> Shimshon shared a secret with his wife. Oh, very good. Okay. Samson and Delilah. And got yes, killed. that got him into right. trouble. Absolutely. Beautiful, David. Right. Very good. Not every, we're not talking about, of course, you talk to your wife about it. They talk about the good. Not everything on both ends. Not everything needs to be shared. It's not a good thing. Furthermore, he says another chidush. He's going to say it's like this. He says, it's also bad for you. If you come home to your wife and you tell her the things that happened, she might start looking down at you. She might say, oh, my husband, what's going on with him? My husband, he's, uh, you know, he, he's a wimp. People keep taking, taking advantage of him. He got embarrassed at work. Oh, he's really not so good. You don't have to share with your wife your weaknesses. Another important Rabbi Miller rule. Don't share your weaknesses with your wife. Come and say, you know, I can't believe it at work today. I exploded on this guy. Well, yeah, don't tell your wife you exploded on this guy. You don't have to talk dip down about yourself. Your wife should look at you as a wonderful man. You have to share your imperfections with your, with, your, with your wife. And the same thing for a lady. You have to share your imperfections with your husband. That's an important rule. So in this over chatter, we're not talking about important talk. We're talking about the silly nonsense talk that you share. That's, 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 gonna, that's not good for your marriage. Good. Voltel midivrei Torah. This is an important point. Why? This was our question originally. Why, when I talk 20 minutes to Stash about the, uh, I don't know, about, about the wine. Okay, I want to talk to Stash about wine. Okay, Stash likes wine. Let's talk about wine. Talk 20 minutes about wine. That's one thing. But what, we don't use the word, botel me de Torah. Of course, I'm not learning. Anytime I'm not learning. So why are we using it specifically here? Says Rabbein Yonah. Says Rabbein Yonah. Botel me de Torah. Torah, Torah thoughts, lo tikon lenegedenav cannot be steadfast, If you're talking about, if you're thinking about your discussion with, again, this is talking about not necessarily your wife, we're talking about just a discussion with a lady in general. The thoughts of ladies, we're talking improper thoughts, there are thoughts, two thoughts that the heart cannot hold at the same time. That means we've seen this a lot of times. You see this sometimes. Uh, a boy's learning. I'm sorry to give this example. He's a very good boy. He's being very successful in his, uh, in his learning career. Uh, you could speak to the rabbis in Leva Aron and in the other yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael. The guy's doing great in his learning. And suddenly he takes a dip. What happened? The girlfriend. He can't, he can't think in the Gemara. He's too busy talking to his girlfriend. He's too busy thinking about his girlfriend. And therefore, the, the thought of Torah cannot stay in the mind. These two things do not coexist. 
You can't have it, thoughts about a girlfriend and thoughts about Torah at the same time. It's something special that only exists by Torah. That means, we once mentioned this, could be recently, I don't remember. Rabbi Yucham Lovovitz once had to go to Berlin for a, for, a, for a doctor. And he looked outside the window from his hotel and he saw the, the uh, boys and girls leaving the University of Berlin. And he writes in the Sefer, they're walking out there, they're holding arm in arms, they're hugging, who knows what they're doing as they walk out of the university. And he says, if this happened in my yeshiva, there's no way these guys could be focused on the Gemara. How could, you, how could they be focused on their math assignments and focused on anything else and, and, and they're boys and girls together in the same room? It doesn't work. The answer is, Torah is not just wisdom. We said this, we, we did say this, I think, uh, a few classes ago. Torah is a holy existence. And therefore, if the person has thoughts of ladies on his mind, he can't learn Torah. And the opposite. If you have thoughts of Torah on your mind, then improper thoughts don't enter your mind. That's why, you said this once before, it's a very important rule. The Rambam writes that David HaMelech, uh, I'm sorry, Shlomo HaMelech, wrote a famous uh, song, a famous, um, I don't know what the right word is, called Eshet Chayel. Eshet Chayel. Eshet Chayel Miyimsa. So who did he write Eshet Chayel about? Who did he write Eshet Chayel about? Who was, the, who was the lady that he wrote it about? So there's three his opinions. Mother. His, his mother. mother. Who's talking now? Moses. Yeah, his mother. Good. That's one opinion. His mother. His mother. Yeah, but, because his but mother whipped him into shape. I thought, I thought Abraham Avinu had wrote it. Well, there are references to Sarai Menu there also. That's true. But Shlomo Melch is the one that put, just like Tilim was written by many people, but David Melch put it out. So too Shlomo put it out. You're right. There are references to Sarai Menu. So it could be for your wife, like Moses is saying, Abraham wrote it about Sarah. So it could be a man about his wife. It could be a man about his mother. But there's a third opinion what Eshet Chayel is referring to. What's he referring to? You want to know what the third, third approach is? Hashem? The Torah. The Torah is called an Eshet Chayel. The Torah Kala. is your wife. What does it mean the Kala. Torah is your wife? I want to explain this. Boi Kala. What? Boi Kala? Okay. Boi Kala. The Torah is your wife. What does it mean the Torah is your wife? I'm going to explain this. Very important. Ladies should listen to this too. It's very important to know. The Torah is your wife. So there's a story uh, brought down, we'll get to a little bit later, in Pirkei Avot, in the Sefer Hasid Yavetz. Maybe if I would have given an introductory course, we would have discussed the different uh, people that we're going to talk about in the class, the different rabbis. But this is a story, true story. There was a man that used to learn, let me back it up again. There was a man who was on a road trip. He was on a road trip and he, uh, he's at a hotel or wherever he is. And law later he passes away. He passed away on the, in his room, okay? And that nobody knows who he is. Passed away in those days, they didn't have ID cards. The man passed away in a hotel. Who's the man? No one knows who he is. So the Hebra decides, okay, we'll get together a, a funeral for him. No one knows the man is. A lady comes from nowhere and she's crying and crying. My husband, my husband, he's the greatest man. My husband, you must make a funeral for him. No one knows him here. My husband, my husband. And they, oh, this must be a special man. They get a nice group of people. They get some, uh, some rabbis there and they make him a very respectable funeral. Fine. They ask the lady, what's your name? My name is Chagiga. She says, where, where, is, where do you come from? Where does your husband live? Such and such a town. Okay, fine. 
So they have to have witnesses that he's dead. They send a letter to the, the rabbis of that town that uh, so-and-so person passed away. We witnessed he passed away. And uh, his wife, Chagiga, was here at the funeral. Okay? So now they, uh, they get the message. And so everything matches. Only one strange thing. His wife, he doesn't have a wife, Chagiga. Who's his wife, Chagiga? And then the rabbi of the town remembers. And then again, this lady came and disappeared. This man, there was one Mesechet that he reviewed again and again. He was on Kenyan Torah, Mosh Sudri. He was on the Kenyan Torah program. And his Mesechet was Chagiga. He reviewed it and reviewed it and reviewed it and reviewed it. And, reviewed it. and he knew Chagiga by heart. And Chagiga was his wife. Chagiga was his wife. Chagiga was wife. When he was in the street. He was thinking about Chagiga. That was on his mind. And it's real. He says it's a, it's a reality. Now, why is this important? Because the Rambam says... Basically, I'm just expounding on it. Everybody needs a girlfriend. That's a fact. Everyone needs a girlfriend. Everyone needs a girlfriend. Every married man needs a girlfriend. That's the way it is. That's why all these people get into trouble out there. But you have a choice. Who's your girlfriend? Your girlfriend could be Masechet Chagiga, or your girlfriend could be a secretary. It's going to be one or the other, because your mind can't carry both. That means there's room in there. When you're not in the house, you're going to get into trouble. You need a girlfriend. So... Lucky is the lady whose husband's girlfriend is Masechet Chagiga. You're not going to get into trouble, Masechet Chagiga. Yeah, you're right. He might, he, might, he might sometimes stay out with the Chavruta, not the end of the world. But you know, some other guy, somebody else staying out with somebody else. That's the Mitziut. A man's mind can hold one of two things, can't hold both. Either he has his Torah on his head, or he has other things on his head. That's the way it works. It says the Rambam's Lashon is, Ein machshevet arayot, promiscuous thoughts are only belave panuim in a a mind that is empty from Torah. There's a story, there's a story where, um, with, um, with um, Paul Reichman's wife. Paul Reichman's wife was at a very expensive dinner with a bunch, many, many successful billionaires for some, uh, whatever it was. And after the dinner, they were going out, you know, they were dancing, whatever they were doing. And Paul Reichman and his wife were sitting at the table. They weren't dancing. They weren't doing anything. They were sitting there. They're good Orthodox Jewish people. And one of the ladies comes over to her and says, you know, what's with you Orthodox people? What kind of life do you have? You're sitting here. Everyone's having fun. You're sitting on the side. And she turns to this lady and says, with all seriousness, she says, when your husband's out on a business trip, are you fully convinced that he's loyal to you? And she says, mm, I don't know. And Mrs. Reichman says, well, I am. She says, you know what? You're right. You're right. You're sitting on the side. You're watching what you're supposed to be doing. And it's, it's a safer way. And that's our Mishnah. Our Mishnah is telling us this important rule that you have to be careful. This world is full of challenges. And the only way to be careful is by having Torah in your mind. And therefore, if this guy is doing too much yapping, it's a contradiction. Torah and, and ladies on your mind. Again, we're not talking about your wife and the good thing. We're talking about ladies over here in the negative way. Torah and a girlfriend, meaning the guy who's 20 years old learning in Israel. I've seen that many times. The guy goes back. Why do you go back? He missed his girlfriend. Oh, he missed his girlfriend. Right? So you have to leave. That's it. End of, end of the story. Someone, okay, that's our story. Uh, you know what? My, I, I mean, I don't see everyone here. I'm just calling the guys that I know. Or could you could you back that up for me? Huh? 
Rabbi Leonardo used to say the hardest kid to deal with is the guy with the girlfriend. That's it. N nothing against ladies. They're wonderful. You get married, it's beautiful. And you bring, build a bite in Imam Israel, and you have children and you raise your family. But if it's not object matrimony, it just messes everything up. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. Uh, this is uncensored. And this is the truth. Nothing but the truth. I'm learning a Mishnah in Perkevot. If it doesn't sit well with people, my apologies. <laughs> uh, you know, what am I going to do? That's why I only have uh, 20 people in my class. Okay, so we're going to uh, stop our recording and um...